0: Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are continuing our blockbuster talk by talking about a movie that mm, may be a blockbuster, but it's certainly a sequel to one. It's still a blockbuster. It didn't go gangbusters like the first one, but no. it still was very successful. It made cash. It did. For sure. Of course, we are continuing our conversation into The Ring franchise by talking about The Ring too. 2, TWO. <laughs> Why? Why did they do that? I don't know. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard or seen.
1: (sighs) Ugh. Well, The Ring, TWO, is a 2005 American psychological supernatural horror film and sequel to the 2002 film The Ring. Hideo Nakata, director of Ringu, the Japanese film in which the American versions are based which is also not the original Ring movie, Mm-mm. like most people think, directed this film in place of Gore Rubinsky Naomi Watts, David Dorfman, and Davy Chase reprise their roles, with Simon Baker, Elizabeth Perkins, and Sissy Spacek joining the cast, although Davy Chase, I believe, is only in little bit pieces,
0: most of which from the first movie. Yeah, I guess you can sort of tell a difference, because she spends a lot of more time out of the video in this movie. Yeah. So, While well, the adapted screenplay of both The Ring and The Ring 2 was written by Erin Kruger. Most of the creative team behind the first film was not involved in this one, including the incredible talents of Hans Zimmer for the music or cinematographer Bohan Bazelli. And it shows. Wah wah.
1: Okay, listeners,
0: we're not your fucking mother.
1: <laughs> this is The Ring twl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We didn't do anything wrong. We did what anyone would do. It's all for honey. She's not coming back. How do you know that?
1: Have you ever seen something so scary that you just you had to show someone else? Hey. Hey. I want to show you something.
0: for a while. But she didn't die. What's happening? I know this sounds completely crazy. She wants to be him. Honey, don't you think you should sleep? show you something. Six months after the events of the first film and following the events of the short film Rings, not to be confused with the feature-length film that would come much later, Samara Morgan's cursed videotape has been circulating through teenagers in Astoria, Oregon. Teen Jake Pierce is on the seventh day of his march toward death and asks his friend Emily to watch the tape. He briefly steps into the kitchen while Emily supposedly watches the tape because reasons. Jake notices dark liquid pouring from under the kitchen door and runs outside to the living room, only to discover Emily had closed her eyes while watching the tape like a little bitch baby. Jake is then promptly murdered by Samara, played by Kelly Stables. Rachel Keller, played by Naomi Watts, and her crossfruits Aiden, played by David Dorfman, have moved to Astoria from Seattle after presumably sending the tape off to a popular movie rental store that rhymes with muster. Allegedly... Rachel works at the Daily Historian for editor... In- <laughs> Rachel works at the Daily Historian for editor daddy and chief Max Work, played by Simon Baker. Rachel learns of teen Jake's death and promptly travels to the scene of the crime, stares down the sole surviving victim, Emily, before breaking into an ambulance to inspect Jake's body. What a nosy bitch. Not to be outdone by Rachel's shitty sense of empathy and timing, Samara appears, declaring that she has been looking for Rachel. Unfazed, Rachel breaks into Jake's house, obtains a videotape, and burns it in a barrel by a van down by the river. (laughs) as the videotape burns in all its muppety glory Aiden experiences a nightmare where Samara drags him into a television he soon starts developing hypothermia and obvious hand-shaped bruises on his arms and back later at the county fair for some reason Aiden wanders into a restroom and takes photographs of his reflection because reasons where Samara appears Rachel finally finds him and takes him home but they are attacked by wild deer on the way As Rachel pulls away in horror, even more deer come. She panics, and a deer with gigantic antlers runs into her car. The deer runs into her car ten times. (laughs) Deciding not to react so muppety, Rachel slowly pulls the car away so as to not spook the deer too much more. After Rachel and her demon (laughs) semen leave the scene... A doe gives birth to a fawn named Bambi, who will one day take over the position of Great Prince of the Forest, who guards the woodland creatures. Bambi grows up very attached to his mother, with whom he spends most of his time. (laughs) The fawn is befriended by an eager, energetic rabbit named Thumper, who helps teach him to walk and speak. A young skunk he mistakenly calls Flower, who is so flattered he keeps the name. And a female fawn named Feline. (laughs) Curious and inquisitive, Bambi frequently asks about the world around him and is cautioned about the dangers of life as a forest creature by his loving mother. One day, out in the meadow, Bambi briefly sees the great prince on a cliffside far above them, but does not realize that it's his father. <laughs> Normally, at this point in the story, the Great Brits would have warned the deer below about the approaching hunters, but unfortunately, who was hit seven times by Rachel's car. <laughs> I can do nothing but watch this Bambi, Bambi's mother, and all the other deer shot to death by, I don't know, Dick Cheney. <laughs> so all the deer die because of that stupid bitch Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Meanwhile, rocket scientist Rachel realizes Aiden may be possessed by Samara. <laughs> like, oh, that's a whole fucking paragraph. <clears throat> Fuck. Not wanting to return home for some reason, Rachel goes to work, only for Max to take them in, also because of reasons, (laughs) while Rachel is attempting to give Aiden a bath to warm him up instead of going to a hospital like a normal parent. (laughs) She goes to a fucking textbook. (laughs) He develops an irrational fear of water. Samara causes the water to recede from the bath, replacing Aiden with herself and terrorizing Rachel so that she tries to drown Samara, even though she's already dead. Max enters, seeing her drowning Aiden instead, and forces her to take her son to the hospital. <laughs> like a normal parent. Based on Aiden's obvious little girl size shaped bruises, <laughs> this movie, psychiatrist Emma Temple, played by Elizabeth Perkins, suspects child abuse on the part of Rachel for some reason, and she sends Rachel away. Looking for answers and a quick pick-me-up, Rachel terrorizes another horse on the ferry to Molesco Island, where she eventually finds evidence of Samara's biological mother Evelyn, played by Sissy Spacek, who tried to drown her as an infant. Rachel visits Evelyn at a psychiatric hospital who advises her to listen to her baby when it inevitably asks its mother to drown it, because reasons. <laughs> back at the hospital (laughs) samara takes control of aiden's body and telepathically forces dr temple to commit suicide before returning to max's house max arrives suspects foul play and tries to secretly take photos of aiden just in case rachel isn't an insane and abusive mother raving about ghosts rachel arrives discovering an affectionate aiden waiting for her but acting suspiciously out of character she steps out Finding Max's orgasm-faced corpse in his pickup truck. Tired of all this spoopy nonsense, Rachel goes back inside and falls asleep. (laughs) Dreaming of Aiden, who tells her that she will have to exorcise Samara by drowning him because... Reasons. Upon awakening, Rachel drugs Aiden Samara with sleeping pills. (laughs) fucking peanut butter and bacon sandwich and places him her <laughs> to temporarily drown him or them. <laughs> Samara leaves Aiden but reappears inside the television thinking she must sacrifice herself to save Aiden because reasons Rachel allows herself to be dragged into Samara's monochromatic world finding herself at the bottom of the well Samara died in Rachel discovers the lid is partially open. She scales the wall's walls <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> She scales the well's walls, pursued by Samara, but escapes by climbing out and pushing the lid shut on Samara, locking her out of her and Aiden's lives, because that's what Rachel has decided has happened. <laughs> Wandering through the woods, she comes to the cliff where Samara's adoptive mother Anna had originally committed suicide. Hearing Aiden's voice, Rachel falls off the cliff, and falls into the water, returning to the real world and reuniting with Aiden. Rachel is promptly arrested for child endangerment, cruelty to animals, and an accessory to murder, with authorities citing trail, <laughs> citing a trail of bodies spanning two states and the deaths of at least six minors. Aiden is placed into foster care, where he is eventually paired with a responsible adult, allegedly. <laughs> The end. <laughs> oh, my God. We haven't even gotten to the movie. My fucking face hurts. Fuck me. Fuck me with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I almost put the entire synopsis of Bambi in there. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> I
0: have to take a breath. And here I thought, I laughed really hard at this movie when I was watching it. Fuck. Hold on! I know when Are you're, you're writing, writing, beer. yeah.
1: <laughs> when you're writing the synopsis, you realize just how absurd it is. It like, really
0: is fucking ridiculously absurd, just ridiculous. Which is why I told my friend and patron Alex last night: watch this movie right away. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> Just do it right now.
1: (laughs) She really goes outside, discovers the dead body, and goes back inside. Instead of like confronting the child, she just like, "I'm gonna sleep now." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Hmm. that's not quite that simple. But I mean, like, really? I mean, it kind of that's the plotting.
0: Like, every step of this movie, I'm just like, why is this happening? And, like, I'm not sure this is quite protocol for anything. (laughs) I'm like... For reality, or...? (laughs) I feel like in 2005, someone can't walk into a hospital and be like, you're no longer his mother, or whatever, you know? I don't know, the whole thing's silly. Let's get into it.
1: So, The Ring 2 was released on March 18, 2005, four months later than it was originally planned. Although it was met with generally negative critical reception, it opened in the United States with a strong $35 million in its first weekend, more than doubling the opening weekend of The Ring. Its final $76 million domestic gross was less than the original $129 million, but it did take $87 million internationally, for a total gross of $164 million against a budget of $50 million versus 250 million total gross against 48 million in the original.
0: Yeah, the original really was a fucking blockbuster that movie. And of course, when a movie makes that much money, like the sequel yeah. is going to make money. At least the first sequel, you know. If we ever get around to talking about Rings, or maybe I'll just look this up. And this one made over 3 times its budget, you know. Yeah, it's still it's still made money. Yeah. But mm, mm is it a movie? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 20%, based on 189 reviews, with an audience score of 33%. The site's critical consensus states, Ring 2 serves up horror cliches, and not even Hideo Nakata, the director of the film from which this one is based, can save Ring 2 from a dull screenplay full of absurdities. Metacritic assigned
1: the film a weighted average score of 44 out of 100, based on 37 critics, indicating mixed or average reviews. Audiences polled by CinemaScore give the film an average grade of C plus on an A plus to F scale.
0: And I feel like the original one it was just a B plus, right? So I mean Something, um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Roger Ebert considered it better than the first film, giving what? it two and a half stars. <laughs> he said, quote, the charm of the ring two while limited is real enough it is based on the film's ability to make absolutely no sense while nevertheless generating a real enough feeling of tension a good deal of the time
1: i feel like he must have been in a mood during the first one
0: yeah because
1: his review didn't make sense for that one no it didn't and And it doesn't make
0: sense for this one. really doesn't make sense it
1: kind of actually makes sense this makes sense what doesn't make sense is that that he liked it better than the first yeah that's insane to me. But, you know, one of the top Letterbox reviews states, Samara, you're dead. Just get over it.
0: <laughs> we need to start doing this.
1: I know. Like, <laughs> usually Letterbox has some gold. And that was like, literally, it was just Samara, you're dead. Just get over it.
0: <laughs> she can't, though. Uh, the film has some accolades. What?
1: i scraped the bottom of
0: the internet barrel and i found some okay uh it was nominated at the teen choice awards for best thriller uh movie screen scene i guess from naomi watts and scary scene the deer
1: It was also nominated the golden schmoes and uh the stinkers bad movie awards for worst movie of the year and biggest disappointment of the year okay
0: it didn't even win those well damn (laughs) And at Russia's MTV Movie Awards, it was nominated for Best International Movie. Russia's MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. All <laughs> oh, that's sad. Accolades indeed. All <laughs> oh, the almost accolades. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, <clears throat> this is the second movie in this franchise. And there is, in fact, a movie that I consider to be way worse than this one. And it's called Rings. Yep. From 2017. So there's a little bit of legacy
1: Yeah, and I'm still probably not going to watch that. I think you should at this point. Just for funsies? Yeah. I don't know. Is it like hilariously bad or is it just bad? Um, Because it sounds like from what you've said, it's just bad.
0: Yes, is the question. I think it depends. So like when I watched The Ring, Rings, uh, back in 2017 when it came out, uh, I was not stoned. And I have not seen it since. And I like actively hated myself for days after getting to watch that movie <laughs> and now i feel like with the right amount of gummy and maybe a couple beers i might have a better time watching it okay but right. it's not good by any means all right maybe i'll subject myself to that tonight i mean if you actively sat down and watched that poltergeist remake that you didn't want to watch like 10 years after it came out then yeah you might as well watch rings i mean Nothing can hurt you now, now that you've seen The Poltergeist. Remake. I also
1: don't really care about The Ring franchise <laughs> like I do The Poltergeist. It shouldn't be a franchise
0: because it's just one fucking movie. It, it is. Be. I know. But I mean, like, since our last recording and watching The First Ring again after so many years of not having seen it, like, I feel like I'm fully invested. Like, I kind of want to read all the books, watch all the things, and, like, just do The Ring. Like, do the damn thing. Yeah. Right? I'm kind of... I'm kind of in that place right now in my life. Okay.
1: Well, a lot of our cast came back, obviously, Naomi Watts and David Dorfman as Rachel and Aiden, mother and son. Uh, Although there's a newcomer here. uh, Our new daddy is Simon Baker. Yeah. Who's been in a lot. And he went on to do, uh, I guess, The uh, Mentalist. He was on The Mentalist. Yeah. He was The Mentalist. Yes. Yes. And uh, Kelly Stables came in as Samara Morgan. I think she was doing stunts, um, you know, like the legs over the arms kind of crawling uh, for the first movie. And so she just came back in and played this one because I guess she's a woman that's of that kind of stature. Okay, or She could pull it off. But um, the original Davy Chase had kind of aged out.
0: So this one did like the contortionist parts of the original, I guess maybe. But it doesn't look like she's that much older, <clears throat> no. you know, so I don't know. I mean, she looks angry.
1: Yeah, but they still use Davy Chase in the archival footage from the ring, you know, uh, but uh, shockingly, which I didn't know going in uh, to see this movie in the theaters was Sissy Spacek.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's something you might want to advertise. Yeah, they were probably
1: hoping that it would be like a big moment, you know, you know, Carrie herself mm -hmm. coming in, but she just, you know, I feel like almost anyone could have done that.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, they need
1: to be Sissy Spacek.
0: They kind of go out of the way to make her not look like Sissy Spacek. Yeah. They put that Samara-esque black wig on her, and she's in it for about six seconds. And, yeah, and she doesn't really do
1: anything. Yeah, it also felt like I, it's, it's like, telling too much story, you know? Because, like, my mind was going in interesting places, like, where did this child come from? And it, like, over-explains.
0: Yeah, a little bit. You know? Oh, a lot of it, actually.
1: So, I don't know. And then we've got Elizabeth Perkins uh, as Doctor Emma Temple.
0: Oh, I always
1: like Elizabeth Perkins.
0: I mean, she has that cunty bitch face. Oh, I don't know. She's, I think she's pretty. She no, she's pretty, but she always looks like she's perturbed. Something about her line delivery is kind of cunty. Yeah, I mean, in this movie for sure, I mean, in lots of things that she's in. She's like, think,
1: like, yeah. She's like, what kind of doctor are you? She's like, a psychologist.
0: <laughs> yeah. She just hmm Yeah. And here's what I have to say. <laughs> Great! What a subpar death scene that was, too. Though.
1: Yeah, I was like, Matt, could that happen? He's like, if she hit hit an artery, maybe because she just injects air.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I know that that can cause well, like in. Of course, or that's or how the, like that. you know
1: Ian McKellen killed himself in apt pupil. That's true. Kind of. Yeah. The exact same. Of course, way. his was already in one, you know, in a vein, but she was doing it blind, like into her neck. You know, she was a doctor, Chris. Well, She's she like, like she, was, <sighs> she was a psychologist. She doesn't know how to like inject shit. She went to medical school. Did she?
0: Yeah. Psychologists do. She had a white coat on. <laughs> okay, you're fucking me. <laughs> no, one of them do. I don't know. Psychiatrist, psychologist. One of them go to medical school. Do. She was the. She worked for CPS. <clears throat> I mean, come on. I mean, essentially, she was just like no, you're not his mom anymore.
1: Okay. I was like, yeah, that's again, like the first movie had a little bit of this problem. So like, no one knew how she died with her heart just stopping. And I'm like, did they look at her face? <laughs> like the makeup department in the script. Right. And yet again, this kid's, kid has like little girl sized handprints all over him. And it's the mom. Like,
0: I think it's safe to say both in this movie and the, previous one the original right that Rachel is not the best mother like you said in the synopsis you no know?
1: She's, she's trying to sleuth her way through his illness like hypothermia like the stupid temperature on the, the thing when he was finally in the hospital showed like 90 and Matt's like dead <laughs>
0: yeah. she pulls out a fucking textbook instead of like doing something like take him to the fucking hospital and he's
1: like upright and talking to her yeah and she's like "Ooh, you're freezing and it's like right next to her head is like 90 degrees
0: it's like we're watching death becomes her but they yeah. took her to the hospital and death becomes her so i yeah. mean like come on but the thing is i mean like you don't have to look very far dr emma temple to accuse this woman of being an unfit mother but she's looking at all the the symptoms in the hospital, and I'm like, no. Like, there's more than this, but whatever.
1: The kid's got hypothermia that you can't (laughs) cure.
0: Something else is going on. (laughs) Clearly. But it's just like, I don't know. I feel like this entire movie, and we haven't really even started talking about it, is... Just ridiculous. Well, it's kind of a cluster, and
1: that's probably gonna be uncovered a little bit when we start talking about the movie and how it was made, the background. Okay, let's do that. Right. So this was directed by Hideo Nakata, which probably took, you know, put a lot of cred and hopefulness about this movie because mm-hmm. he directed Ringu, which a lot of people would say, Oh, he directed the original Ring, which he did not. Yet again, that was like another remake of. Of a remake of a book.
0: Well, I think for like all intents and purposes, though, that was the first really successful version.
1: Right. I mean, at least the original Japan? ring. Yeah. Renew. Yeah. Sure. It was very successful, but more to the do with the story than
0: how it was made. You know, I totally forgot that he directed this movie at this point. But I remember this movie coming out. And by then I had seen The Ring, the American one, and I had seen the Japanese movie. And I was just like, oh, my God, you're right. Well, he also the directed Renew
1: too, which was also shitty. The Japanese version, right? So he directed two shitty sequels to his original, basically. So it's weird already to direct a sequel to a remake of your own movie, which was also a remake of another movie based on a book. (laughs) But here we are. Yeah. Right. So Ringu seems to be his highest rated film and most of the others aren't nearly rated as high. Right. So I think he kind of struck gold with the story and knew how to, you know, he's a competent director, a competent and technical director, I think. Oh, for sure. You know, and so Hideo Nakata barely spoke any English during production. So when the situation called for it, he had a translator on set to help communicate with the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. So already we've got an issue. Right. So and and based on a bunch of like studio involvement, uh, he tried to leave the production of Flea to Japan.
0: Oh, my God. Flea? But he's.
1: Yeah. But he stayed out of, you know, just out of respect for the cast and the crew. How very but Japanese. it makes me wonder if he stayed in that like extra four months that the movie was delayed, whether that was a business decision based on other releases. I don't know. But it makes me wonder if, if uh, he didn't stay to oversee any editing or if the studio did, which seems to be the case based on everything we're seeing. It's like, Hey, we've got this big successful franchise. All the studio eyes are on it versus, Hey, this is like something green lit that's coming out. It could be a big hit, but most of the studio and executives are off of it. Right. And so that's kind of like the first movie. Now that it's a big, important franchise and it was such a big hit, you've got all these eyes on it and you got too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. And he is from this experience. He has sworn never, To go and do any kind of business or direction in the U.S. again, based on his experience doing this. And I would say that's probably the best thing to do. And that they interfered with essentially everything, like made him reshoot things. It didn't have to like it didn't match like his original vision for things. And uh, they ended up probably doing the editing and, and doing a bunch of other things. And so like this is just a big studio fuck up. Where they just got in the way of everything else and didn't want to pay for as much so they could make even more money by, you know, not getting, uh, the cinematographer back, not getting the original director back who didn't like the script, uh, not getting, uh, the, the, you know, Hans Zimmer back. Right. And so they tried to like copy of a copy, ironically, Everything, right? And so the cinematography is by Gabriel uh, Beristain instead of Bohan Bozzelli. Uh, The music was by uh, Henning Lohner and Martin Tillman versus Hans Zimmer. And so we've got all these like replacement people that don't know quite what they're doing. I think they helped out like as associate music producers with Hans Zimmer on the first one. And that's why they got the job. But they're using the the wrong themes at the wrong times. Like the witch theme that he's using as a homage and Suspiria that uses only at certain times. Yeah. They're using it as she drives her car down the road.
0: Yeah, it's stupid.
1: Right? And so, like in the opening sequence, they actually edit, I don't know if this is a studio, when Jake and Emily move, uh, go indoors, um, there's an extremely recognizable piece by James Newton Howard's score for the Sixth Sense uh, used there. Randomly. In the actual movie? Randomly, yes. Oh my god. Yeah. So, like, they kept the um, the temp track in. which is tough
0: yeah so i can see i can see where this movie starts to fall apart before it's even released Mm -hmm. or completely finished right so i mean all that starts to like add up yeah and the thing is i mean like if he's saying he swears not to make another movie in hollywood or the u.s or whatnot i can assume in other countries that things like What happens in Hollywood like this happened there too, right? And in countries like India that make a shit ton of movies every year, I would imagine that they make sequel upon sequel of things. I'm not an expert. I don't know. But I mean, I think it's fairly prevalent in America and there's got to you got to feel a certain kind of way. When you're asked, even if you're a placement for someone else, to step in and helm a movie that you've essentially directed before, and you're like, oh, I can, I have a chance to like make this movie again, show it to a different audience. And if, if it just not working out or whatever, I could see swearing off an entire career in another country. Yeah. Also, I can imagine how difficult it is to direct people when you don't speak their language.
1: Yeah. So it's already fish out of water, already language barrier, already there's technical constraints there. And then you've got kind of a script that one's happy with, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, a bunch of other cost cuttings and studio interference. It's just like, it's not the best example of like a magical movie making experience already. And I hope that he would understand that, that it's not just indicative of the American movie making experience. No, we're
0: not all like this. You know, but and also, this also makes me think about Juan again Juan and the Grudge, right? So, that director who directed Juan came to America and directed the American version of The Grudge. And he made, he's a better director. Yeah. Well, yes, for sure. He made a spectacularly different version of a movie that he already made, right? It's like he came in and he was just like, I'm going to make this for American audiences. But not an obvious version. But no. But he also stayed true to his version and stayed true to his culture in a yes, way. Yes,
1: it was in Japan. And yeah. just added an extra layer of fish out of water <laughs> from the American standpoint of not being able to speak the language and everything else.
0: But it's a very smart director to come in and do something like that yeah. to the work that you've already made. He was like, I have an opportunity to tell the same story but differently and do it in a good way. I just want to talk about The Grudge. I do want and to talk about The Grudge. Don't, I
1: don't know if he actually uh, wrote that. You know, I, you, or, may not have. you know, or you know, or maybe we'll he signed find up. Out. On, I don't know. We'll but find out later on. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna deep dive that
0: in a, about a year from now. Right? I clearly have a boner. For I've already rich. added it to the docket. <gasps> I
1: yes.
0: guess we'll keep talking about the ring too, so we can move ever closer to that. <laughs> and fine.
1: But overall, this this <laughs> whole movie. You know, has a feeling of cutting costs and riding on franchise fame by the studio versus actually trying to make a good movie. And like a lot of franchises, the studio gives it lots of attention now that it was a potential moneymaker. And so a lot of stuff in the first movie doesn't make sense, but the direction overall tone achieved by the direction, cinematography and editing and music, Amazing. achieved an intentional sense of mystery versus what we have here seems very like paint by numbers based on the script with very little nuance or visual storytelling, at least relative to the first film. Like Naomi Watts didn't want to reprise her role after reading the script, but she had to begrudgingly do so after being forced by contractual obligations. And uh, later on, Hideo Hideo Nakata has disowned this film completely and claims to hate it. And he blames the film's negative reception from both fans and critics on the studio interference we just talked about. As uh, the Paramount executives would step in during the shoot and either force him to reshoot key sequences, delete certain scenes or change existing scenes until they bore little resemblance to what Nakata had in mind.
0: And I know that there's like when this movie came out on DVD, because I was still working in blockbusters at the time, and there was like an unrated cut. Yeah. That was on DVD. And so I saw this in the theater and I was just like, oh, Lord. Right. And I just I didn't really care for it. No. You know. And so I never rented the movie and watched it again. I, I didn't care enough to see why it was unrated. You know, so I don't know what scenes were cut out, you know, but. unrated is a marketing term. Yeah, for real. I
1: mean, it's like too nasty to rate or whatever, obviously.
0: There, there couldn't have been anything in this. I mean, they had a very successful horror movie there's that was ex- rated PG-13 the first time There's extended
1: scenes like you actually see Samara go into his body. Oh, God. In the bathroom and a couple of other things. And there's a couple of different music cues, and that's it.
0: Okay. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I get where Naomi Watts is coming from, because out of this entire movie compared to the other one, her character has changed quite a bit. And I like her a lot less in this movie. She seems dumber. She does seem dumber. She was smart. She was savvy in the first one. And even though she had bad parenting skills a little bit, she seemed like a better mom. And it doesn't seem to one. make any sense that she would move out. No. To the, like
1: a lot of the premise is based on the different type of character that she is.
0: Yeah. She's she's a different person. And the thing is, I mean, like it's supposed to be six months after the original events. Right. And no one changes that quickly in six months. And also they should be suffering from the most extreme PTSD. Yeah. And I can watch a movie and suspend my disbelief as far as like real world things go. But I was having a hard time with this one. I was just like, none of it makes sense. Their actions do not make sense. I would have me. loved
1: to see the real world consequences that grounds the film, like yeah. all of the investigation that had to have happened after all that with all those bodies and stuff. Other franchises have done it and managed to do really, really well to catapult from the grounded basis into even a new height of like fantasy, like take Terminator, Terminator
0: two, the beginning of that fucking film. She's in an asylum. Yep. Right. At the very least, why do they have a fucking TV in their new house? Yeah. You know, why do they have a fucking VHR VHS player? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't understand. And, uh, so, I mean, even, the poltergeist sequel they don't have a fucking tv no at the very
1: end during the credits of poltergeist he pushes the fucking tv out of the hotel room That's-
0: and then in poltergeist 2 they're like we don't have tvs nope. you know and so i mean like even that makes more sense even poltergeist 2 it's not the best fucking it's a, kind of a terrible movie but like, they moved
1: even though she they know she can show up anywhere especially out of a fucking tv
0: and they're kind of surprised that she's there too you know i mean like And the whole time, like, Rachel's like, oh, no, not again. Like, at the beginning. And I'm like, Jesus. I mean, like, it's just annoying. Yeah. Kind of. So I get it. I get it, Hideo. You can disown the movie. I probably would, too. But. Well, it's just interesting.
1: Like, I wonder how much of the the actual sequel this is based on. Because theoretically, or, or, like, it still says it's based on the first book. Yeah. Like, if this is actually just, like, a continuation of the first book, we've got to read it. And then the sequel book, Spiral, is what
0: Rings is based on,
1: theoretically, loosely.
0: So I'm on it. I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing. Okay. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to try to read all of them. Okay. And I know I say that, but I'm serious about this. Like, I'm wrapped up in this ring shit. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it all. Sweet. I'll report back.
1: Thank you. I will. So, one thing that's interesting to me, uh, there's still some value in this movie, right? There's still some really cool, you know, set pieces and some cool ideas. And at the beginning, it actually kind of reminds me of It Follows, yeah. where the boyfriend is desperate to get this chick to watch this movie like he's trying to spread this, you know, STD that gets removed from him, you know, once he does that. You know, it just really reminded me of that 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 trying to Force the, the it follows spirit or ghost or demon or whatever the fuck it is the stra- the sexually transmitted demon, mm-hmm. um, you know. PST and me. I'm wondering, like, could this like J horror and other things that I have not seen actually kind of be the the birthplace of something like It Follows? I would say so. It feels very J horror now that I think about It Follows.
0: It does. I mean, because I feel like a lot of Japanese horror movies deal with curses right like obviously we've already talked about the grudge and then we have things like um pulse you know what i mean and, yeah and it's all about like ghosts and curses and 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 that sort of thing and so it's very much like it follows in this case because they know what they need to do at this point right show someone else the the thing make a copy show someone else mm-hmm. and so like the, the people who are watching this urban legend have already like Figured it out so they can do it, right? It
1: also shifts it because before, the the understanding from the previous film was that you make a copy and you're safe,
0: not show it. Show it to somebody else. I know. I Yeah. I mean, because when I was watching this, I was just like, well, they've added a layer. Yeah. You know? And yet
1: again, it's just like they, they're going for this disconnect between the script and what they're showing on screen. And I just... I wish, like, a writer-director... I love writer-director combos sometimes because everything's going to be, like, congealed into one. Like, everything makes sense. Yeah. Like, the kid's waiting in the fucking kitchen. His life is on the line for her to watch it. And he's not going to, like, sit there with her. Like, he's not going to make sure she's watching it. Like... Oh, well, he's antsy. What is going on? Like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but... Yeah. Like, and, that's, and that sort of thing happens all throughout this movie why aren't you taking the kid to the hospital why did you go to the fucking office why are you going home with this guy nothing's like special about your home Like, I know why you know the kid has hypothermia. why because recent. oh that's true
0: I forgot and I wrote that <laughs> so but- I don't know no, I mean, I I totally can see that now that you've mentioned it. Right. And it, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like even things like talk to me, like we talked about in the last episode, like sort of stem from this J-Horror cursed object kind of thing where you have this urban legend and like people think they're savvy enough to do it and survive. And then they can't, especially in the first part of this movie, at least with that, that kid. Yeah. What did Alex call him? He called him like cheap. Pete Wentz or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> also that girl from the beginning of this movie is like one of my favorite TV actresses from that time period. She was in a show called brothers and sisters that I liked very, very much. Hmm. And then later on she was on a show called revenge. Okay. And I totally forgot that she was in this. And so I'm watching it. And I'm like, Brothers and Sisters. you know, I'm like, that's my main takeaway from the opening of this movie. That was the most important thing about it. Apparently. Yeah. Well, she,
1: uh, Yeah, obviously there's this breaking into the ambulance thing, which is just like, what the fuck are you doing? But she gets the fucking tape, and then we get that Muppety videotape, (laughs) death.
0: Oh my God, that was my favorite (laughs) fucking part. Because she like rips the fucking tape out of it. She throws both the film and the actual like cassette housing into the fire that she starts herself in that barrel. And it creates a little mouth, and then it screams. And I was just like, what? I was laughing so hard. Hard. I was just like, I can't like, if this is any indication about the rest of this movie, because i completely forgotten everything that happens. I was like, we're either in for a treat or I'm going to be real fucking pissed off.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I want that sort of thing to be consistent. Like I want Bruce Campbell to show up on the side as a homeless guy and be like having a rough day or something like that. <laughs>
0: exactly. This. Like if you're going to make a movie this fucking ridiculous and this absurd, like at least have a little tongue in cheek with it. But nah. it, it. <laughs> it's like, oh, op- it's opening its fucking mouth and screaming at you, and I was just like, oh, I love that little tape. But unfortunately, it goes into the direction of I just get real pissed off, taking at itself it. too seriously. A yeah, bit. yeah, I mean, but. it does, and it's ugh.
1: And then we get the whole, like, creepy photographer moment, you know. Um, I remember being kind of scared of that at first, but I feel like the, the, something like The Descent did it, does it better, yes, you know, and other you things. The Omen, obviously, very famously. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there are different takes with the, as technology evolves with this sort of thing where, like, you get the reveal in film or, you know, what you have captured. And, like, it recontextualizes what's going on when you see... You know, but he is using like this digital camera and he can actually see what's going on with Samara coming up behind him and possessing him. Yeah. You know, and it also provides some proof later on. But I don't know. Um. (laughs) I'm just glad he has a hobby. Sure. I mean, and he's just like, he's just creepy. Like he wasn't creepy to me in the first movie. He was creepy in this
0: one. But of course he was getting possessed too. So. I don't know that he was really creepy in either one of them. Like, I feel like I've said that a lot about this kid. After watching these movies, you know, throughout, you know, the rest of the 2000s so far, I'm like, oh, the creepy kid in that movie. He's really not. You're right. He's he's a normal kid. And the thing is, is that like as this movie starts to go on, I feel like he carries this fucking movie, you know, like he really is like acting well. He's doing the best that he can with what he's given to work with. Well, he proved that he can do more than just stoic because when he cracks a smile, you know, something's wrong. Right. That's right. So he, he plays kind of this, like, not even kind of, he plays a dual role. And and I, I think that he did a really, really good job in this movie. He did. When, like, in the last film, I was singing Naomi Watts' praises. Like, in this one, I'm like... Dude. She falls
1: a little flat compared to him.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean... and but we also like,
1: know she didn't want to be there.
0: We also have people like Sissy Spacek and Elizabeth Perkins, who we have seen many, many times before the Ring TWO. <laughs> and, uh, like, and this, these are good, gifted actors. And... It's just nothing like they are outshined by this kid who just went on to become a lawyer.
1: Apparently. Yeah. And a Lannister guard. Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we get the,
1: the fucking deer. Oh, God. Which like one shows up in the distance and kind of stares at him. Yeah. Like randomly at like the swap meet or whatever the fuck it is. The county fair. The county fair <laughs> slash antique That they mall? randomly go there when he's already getting sick. I like, know.
0: She's like, you have hypothermia. Let's go to the county fair. It's so random. Do you want to ride something? It's like, okay, I guess this was next in
1: the script. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did anyone, like, read this? Like, and, like, put it... At, uh, maybe there was some sort of connective tissue they cut out. I And don't then know. she
0: lets him wander off.
1: She does. And uh, finally finds him in the bathroom where he is, you know, now possessed. But the whole thing with the deer. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I I, I kind of like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And the execution's cool, too, I guess. Yeah. But it's like... If you're trying to be consistent with the lore, it's like this thing spooks them and makes them want to kill themselves. That's the whole lore. Not that happened you. with the videotape, it happened with Samara's story, it happened with the fairy ride that she takes in the first movie yep. with the horse, famously. And it's like they want to attack and then they just want to stare,
0: and it didn't make any fucking sense. No. I mean, I think they were just, like, really trying to ramp up, like, the special effects, the CGI-ness of it all with that. And the thing is, is that, like, I'm sure at the time I was like, oh, my God, those deer. No. Today. At the time, yeah. I remember thinking it looked hokey. Oh, I mean, I can't remember. But honestly, last night I was just like, this looks stupid. Like, it doesn't It doesn't look real at all. Yeah. And... At first, like it's also a really long scene, like the deer's there. It's sort of standing in the way, being sassy. But I will say that first impact on the driver's side, I jumped. Yes, jarring. Uh, Yeah, I was like, oh, you
1: know. I like the natural Dolby shocks. Yes. Because they didn't do a big music playing. It was actually just literally the impact into the car. And then it
0: just goes on on and on and there's like yeah. 17,000 deer in the road like stopping them from driving
1: and then Bambi and- is born and then Dick Cheney shoot. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dick
0: Cheney he probably did shoot Bambi's mom I mean let's be real <laughs> Uh he's the one who killed all of our childhoods <laughs> but yeah, I, by the time that they're finally driving off and the car is like a piece of shit at that point, but still magically like driving down the road. Like yeah. I'm just like, okay. There's
1: also some weird like CGI goofs too. Like um, it was supposed to have broken the window, and the next scene she turns around and her reflection
0: is still on it, even though the window's broken digitally. <sighs> yeah. <Come on. laughs> so And also, I mean, I feel like, like I said in the last episode, that's one of my favorite scenes of cinematography in that original movie and and I don't know if it's like actual or like CGI I'm sure it's CGI but like that horse's eye and the way that Naomi Watts' reflection is in it just looks really good
1: No, I think that was photographed
0: it's amazing looking to to me and then this is like a piece of shit comparatively I'm like you have a really good moment with an actual animal in a movie well they go from
1: this set piece to the next one which is actually really good looking uh-huh. and looks amazing and feels amazing it's probably the best scene or my favorite scene in the whole movie as far as like how it looks and the reaction of it which was putting samara in water which to me i still don't like because she's coming out of water she uses water in her attacks yeah you know and water she's basically lives in water but for her to be afraid of it like i it doesn't really match up for me and, and yet this whole set piece looked amazing, which is the bathtub scene yeah. where the water is all upon the ceiling and is like coming out of the tub in such a way that is almost like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's all dripping upwards and everything else. And it looks
0: totally surreal. And it actually looks real. Yeah. Like still looks really good. No, the water scene is really, really because she walks into the bathroom and even she is like, oh, And then we're all treated to what it looks like, right? And it does. It looks like a fucking masterpiece of special effects. Yeah. Um, Certainly compared to the deer. And water's hard to do. The things that happen after that, though, I mean, like like samara's body at that point or standing in the tub i'm like okay but
1: she tries to drown samara who's dead she obviously knew that her son was getting possessed and yet she's drowning it and then she walks in and of course it's the stupid like side plot of like her being an abusive mother and like max is kind of involved in that and makes her go to the hospital like she should have been in the hospital anyway and i don't know whose side (laughs) i'm on because she should be at the fucking hospital but she's also not abusing no but yeah, she is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by not taking him to the hospital. So, I don't know. The the film doesn't kind of know what it's doing at this point. I don't know. Like
0: I mean, it's just like one one moment after another is what this this screenplay is. It's like, okay, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. That piece to that piece without connective tissue. For real. You know? Cuz I feel like like halfway through the movie, you pause it and you expect it to be almost over, right? This movie feels like ending. It feels like opening and then ending like all the way through it. Interesting. Like, To me, it's just like action, 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 action. When the first movie kind of does that too, right? It seems like it's it's doing something, but it's building and building on top of itself. And we've talked about that many times on the podcast, like that is way more successful when things build on top of it, kind of like The Witch, right? And I think that's what makes The Ring really successful. And what makes The Ring, TWO, terrible is that it's just like, there's nothing that, is happening.
1: It also doesn't learn from its own achievement. Because if we skip to the end, because we've already talked about, like, the psychologist lady and, like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And why aren't we going to the hospital? You know, why is she afraid of water? You know, we we have her deciding that something's going to work. Oh, the well is open in her own psychic landscape. Mm-hmm. Samara's own fucking home. That she created. That she created. And she closes the the thing. Oh, now we're safe. Now she can't get out. You know, because she, you know, doesn't have telekinesis and everything else in her own, like, mindscape.
0: What even is her power at this point?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, and then she kills herself, you know, drowns herself, I guess, to come wake up because she decides that's going to work. And it does. The movie lets it happen. In the first movie, she gets slapped down for that. What did you do? You weren't supposed to help her. That's right. You know, and it recontextualizes. It should have done that again. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking of course, she could open that. That's her world. Yeah. She can go through that fucking thing whenever she wants. And I mean, of course, s- she's not afraid of water. That was something else. You know, like I would have loved that recontextualization that we got from the first movie to really echo that note. But that doesn't happen because, yeah. I don't know, reasons.
0: <laughs> for I mean, obviously, that's the only thing that they would do. This Thematically, for.
1: that's what I wanted from a Ring movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would like to have some sort of like subvert, you know, of a trope that exists. Right. I Which mean, is like- no, you're fucked. That's the point. That is the point. And there's another movie after this, so it's still the point. Which is, again, kind of why I want to watch Rings. As I want to... I can't remember. That movie was terrible. I blocked it out of my mind. But now I have to fucking know. I mean, she closed the well, and theoretically, that solved the problem. And it did from 2005 to 2017. (sighs) But here we are. So someone opened the well in the real life, I guess something. I'm going to be pissed
1: off if that's actually what it is.
0: I can't, I, I swear to God, it's on a plane. I can't remember. It's like the well in the upside down rings on a plane. <laughs> I'm exactly. tired of these goddamn tapes on this motherfucking plane <laughs> or whatever the fuck. I don't know, but I do like, <laughs> and I don't know on your notes if this is it when she's climbing up the well and she kicks a rock out and it beats her in the face. <laughs> I started laughing at that too she's like, Ugh. but they tried
1: to have this Ripley moment too where it doesn't quite work because Naomi is just like done you, you can tell yeah. and she's like puts the thing over the top of the the capper on the top of the well and she's like I'm at your fucking mother and I'm like I didn't believe it you don't believe it I don't believe it
0: yeah even <laughs> she's a little she's like mommy <laughs> right before she does it get away from that TV you bitch please <laughs> uh, yeah the entire ending is just fucking stupid to me I don't know. And that's the thing is we were talking off mic about like enjoying a movie that's bad because it's bad. Right. So I think back to like The Exorcist 2. That we had watched, right? Meanwhile,
1: we're about to give our high ratings for this movie. <laughs> I know. And
0: we gave Exorcist 2, like, the shit most spectacular ratings ever. But I had a really good time watching Exorcist 2. Because it was a shit show. Yeah, it's a different kind of bad it's movie. it's so
1: bad, it's it's good. Yeah. This isn't bad enough to be good, but it has good parts in it still.
0: It does. It's still a competently made movie. Yes. You know? And it doesn't look terrible. A it lot looks of
1: good. this is judging it, not in a vacuum, but relative to its superior for, and that's that's the problem with judging sequels. Is like it's kind of an unfair competition, you know, uh, against the the one that came out first. If it's always better, you know. Yeah. So the ones that really succeed there, like Aliens or Godfather Two or some other things, you know, mm-hmm. you know that do really well, they're oftentimes
0: lumped in with the first, and you always say the first two, you know. That's true. Mm. I don't know. Not in this case. Nope. Oh God, The Ring T W O. Do you have fun facts for me? I kind of do.
1: Um, So first off, during the shooting of the carnival scene, locals mistook the set for an actual carnival and wandered in. They were (laughs) actually included as extras in the film.
0: (laughs) Because why not? Because reasons.
1: Well, they didn't know the angry Japanese guy yelling at them <laughs> <laughs>
0: <didn't> meant anything. <laughs> His translator was not break that time. <laughs> I mean, in that in that neck of the woods, even you, if you were driving through Oregon and you saw some random county fair, an antique show, whatever the fuck that sign said, wouldn't you stop? Uh, Probably. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I was going on a road trip. But uh, even with three artists, Kelly Stable's uh, Samara's makeup took over five hours to complete. How? I don't know. I just feel like it's like hair on top of white face.
0: Yeah. They put on some like white makeup. They made her eye look a little extra angry and maybe a little withered from water and put hair in front of her. That's like
1: five hours. I think it's because they have to do the fingers without the nails. They have to do the full arms and the full legs and the feet with the nails and like all that other stuff. Oh, well,
0: they wasted their time because you can't really see that very well. She looks CG anyway. Yeah.
1: You know. But that was just like a really good. Well, they do
0: all that squad. makeup and then they kind of make her look staticky in places.
1: Yeah. So they could have almost done anything. I don't oh, know. Fuck. Uh, so this was also the feature film debut of Mary Elizabeth Winstead, <sighs> though she only appears in the unrated version. Theoretically, she plays the young Evelyn Borden, So she plays young Sissy Spacek's character.
0: What? She had. Oh, it shows her from the days.
1: back about to, to draw right. her baby. That's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But you don't see her face because a lot of it was cut. Does she have speaking moments? In I a- think so. A little bit. Ooh. Well, wow. Like 30 seconds more. You know what I mean? But yeah, but I still want to see it. does first movie.
0: I love her. Me too. Now I want to see those scenes just for that. So
1: lastly, according to the production notes, there were bizarre incidents on set of life imitating art. So on mm-hmm. the seventh day The production office was discovered to have flooded overnight. The result was a burst water pipe. Water is a strong theme in the film, obviously. And in response, director Hideo Nakata requested a Japanese purification ceremony be carried out by a Shinto minister. But the strange incidents continued. While on location, a swarm of bees descended on the prop truck, prompting the immediate evacuation of the department, before the bees left as quickly as they had arrived. For no apparent reason, a five-gallon water jug burst open in the production office kitchen, once again flooding the same room that had flooded earlier. One morning on the Universal lot, a set decorator stepped out of the parking garage to discover an antlered buck charging across the asphalt in her direction. Though deer are regular occurrences in the hills, the similarity of the deer attack in the film is uncanny.
0: <gasps> oh, I love shit like this. I mean, too. Oh my God. So
1: it sounds like we should have made, like, the Ring 2 really should have been about the making of Ring 2. For, I mean, like. Get really fucking meta with it and get Wes Craven to direct it or something.
0: Well, he can't anymore. That's sad. <laughs> in 2002, he could have. That's true. And also, a fucking TV series called Curse Films exists on Shudder. Why haven't we heard his information before? Right. Cause this seems way more interesting than some of the shit they put on
1: there. For real.
0: My God. Maybe, maybe this should have been assigned to them to stop making this movie. They're <laughs> like, what are we doing? Clearly we're not supposed to do this. We were almost killed by bees. This is cultural appropriation. <laughs> stop. There are deer on the universal lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is time to stop. But no, they didn't listen. And now we have this. Yeah. Those were fun. Thank you. We have some questions to ask about The Ring, TWO. Oh, we do? Yeah, as we do about every movie that oh, we cover Oh, we do. Film that's right. It's <laughs> shocking. Is this a horror movie? Yes. Yeah, I was scared. Completely. Well, that's the next question. Were you scared watching this movie? No,
1: not really. Yeah. I oh, jumped a couple times.
0: Yeah. I mean, so like that, that deer made me jump. There's something else that made me jump. I can't remember what it was. The deer for sure, you know, but like other than that, and I, I can't, I can't fully remember my experience in the theater watching this because it was, I hated this movie so much when it first came out. I feel like I liked it better this time than I did way back in 2005. Me
1: too, probably actually.
0: But like the, my expectations were kind of high. Very, very high. high. Yeah. So I, I, did not find myself frightened. In fact, I kind of wanted it to just end the first time that I watched it. Yeah. So not scared really, but out of five stars, what would you rate the ring Two? Um, uh, I rated it as a three. I also rated it a three and I feel like I'm being very generous, but
1: yeah, I feel like I'm being a little generous too. Um, you know, but there's some really cool stuff in here, you know? Yeah. And if I was gonna take this movie in isolation, like if it was his own thing, I might have been a little bit kinder and give it a three-star. You know, I feel like, especially compared to the first film, this is like a two and a half, but the first film's not perfect. No, it's you not you know, it's like a four star, right? And so uh, I feel like being a three-star here is generous, but it's just on the cusp, right? And so it's it's teetering on the edge of a three, two and a half.
0: So you me. brought something interesting up. So if this movie existed on its own, if there were no original ring, if this if this were the ring. Do you think this movie could stand alone? Do you think it explains enough of what happens in the original movie for this to exist by itself?
1: I think with a with a little bit of connective tissue it could have.
0: You okay. All right. Well that alone. I don't makes know that it would a be anything like a classic.
1: You no. Know, but it would have been a three star movie.
0: But if, if you can if you can make it through a plot without having to like really have something that came before it, if you explain it enough, it at least shows bones in a story. We would remember it in the same way that we
1: remembered pulse, you know, True. or something, which is not much. No, which is certainly not
0: much. We remember that it happened. The American version. Yeah. like Again, the Japanese versions of these movies, and I haven't seen the sequel to Ringu, right? I've only seen the first Japanese film. But like- Well, that's the second one. I mean, like, <laughs> there's a uh-huh. Ringu too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, either way, like, the Japanese versions are usually, not usually, almost always, much, much better, clearly. clearly. So, I don't know. They, they strike out tone in their horror movies. So, Pulse, the Japanese movie, scary as fucking shit. The Maybe. American one, man. Yeah. Finally, who's the hottest guy in Ring 2?
1: <laughs> Scott Speedman. Oh, wait, a different 2000s guy. Um, <laughs> Simon Baker. <laughs>
0: Scott it who is really hot, uh, and Simon Baker wishes, um, I guess. I kind of think that the fucking boyfriend or whatever teen from the opening scene is, like, the cutest. But that's the kind of guy that I was attracted to in 2005. Uh, he was a little bitch. I like little, like, Pete Wentz bitches. I don't know. It's the fucking hair and the... Just watch the fucking tape. I don't know. <laughs> <What> the fuck. <laughs> Either way, you again, you realize <laughs> you were in the fucking kitchen, bitch. <laughs> you could have held her hand. You could have been making her a sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a toss up, clearly, because, again, there's not a lot of options. I get a and sandwich. <laughs> OK, we didn't even like talk about that fully. But OK, <laughs> so she's making that fucking peanut butter and Vicodin sandwich. And she it sounds delicious. I mean, it sounds very relaxing. And she's like spreading the jelly and then she grabs what seems to be one pill out of the bottle and opens it. And it's this fucking cocaine mound of fucking Vicodin <laughs> or whatever the fuck. And I was just like, where <laughs> is this coming from? I know. It came out of one pill. Was that thing under pressure or like what? And then she doesn't like spread it out. She just no. like leaves it directly in the middle and she's like, here you go. And the first bite apparently knocks the fucking kid out, even though all that mound of Vicodin is in the middle of the sandwich. Yeah, I
1: know. Things like that annoy me.
0: I was just, and I never noticed shit like that. Normally, I'm just like, I didn't even know that Samara had a fucking psychic power until last
1: week. I just want to make like a more Muppety version of this where like he, he takes a bite where you can't see anything. And then it's like his whole face is like covered in powdered sugar. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it would have been easier to just give him a pill. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what is she doing all this for? And how long did it take to make that sandwich? Like Samara knows what you're doing. She can control water at this point. She knows that you're making a Viking sandwich. Anyway, that's the hottest guy. (laughs) What? I don't know. I'm just trying to wrap that segment up. The pharmacist? (laughs) (laughs) He's the smartest guy in this
1: movie.
0: (laughs) I think that just about wraps up our conversation on The Ring 2. As always, we would like to know what you think about this movie. Did you love it? And what do you think about our conversation about it? You can tell us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and now Threads. You can email us at
1: tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972 666 7733 Mm, Call us Bambi and Thumper,
0: mm, I'm twitterpated <laughs> I'm threadipated. I'm threadipated. <laughs> Follow the sound of my moans. <laughs> Close the cap on my well. <laughs> Uh, that's all of our Ring content on the main feed, but we still have to talk about the original Japanese Ringu over on Patreon. So head to patreon.com slash the join the family over there, and listen to that bonus episode, vote in future polls, and check out all the bonus content that we have for you previously.
1: Yes, join us on Patreon to watch the second
0: original <laughs> Japanese Ringu. No, now you're Stop just Stop saying original. I can't help it. For all intents and purposes, it's the most popular. Now I'm an I'm um, actually nerd. Yeah. When it comes to Ringu. You've you've reached it. God damn it. And yet I'm the one who wants to watch all the things. I don't know. <laughs> um also, as promised, back in a twenty-four month, we have some new merch for you. We do. And it is highfalutin.
1: Yes, we have the highfalutin shirt and merch uh, we've got all kinds of shit for that's you right. so go to our store you can go to our website at uh, filmflamers.com and click on the store link at the top or I don't know type in filmflamers store into google or something you'll get, you'll find it and then you'll see it and you'll get to whatever merch you want with whatever design you want including highfalutin that's right on that store so check it out yeah, yeah so it's know. it's the uh, the Swedish chef Muppet <laughs> <laughs> wearing the mane the May Queen dress from Midsummer. <laughs> and he's saying hi Falod.
0: <laughs> bork Bork. Bork. Bork indeed. Oh my god. Guys, it's pretty fucking awesome. So do those things and maybe, maybe I'll just post it on social media. Before Disney swings the hammer. They will. They will hammer us to fucking death. Just like they did to that poor man in Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, I am tired of looking up at the opening of this well. I need to go close it. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. I'm not your fucking. Not your fucking daddy. Close your own
1: well. Get me a baguette sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what's for dinner tonight.